0: There's a prayer request that was just sent in. It says, Sister Phyllis. This is from Sister Phyllis. Jason sent me a prayer request. It popped up, but I'm not I'm not able to find it at this moment. So What we'll have, brother? Luther, if you just come on. Amen. Amen. You deserve the glory. As we praise your holy name, you deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we praise your holy name. You are great. You do miracles so great You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, I lift my hands in worship as I praise your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands worship as we yes. praise your holy name you are great yeah. you do me-
1: so glad to be acquainted with the one and only. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. We also had our, uh, am I going to read these? Okay. So mild flu systems, our pastor. Sister Phyllis, lost a precious ring that had belonged to her mother. That's a keepsake. That's, she is devastated and asking the saints to pray with it, that the Lord will recover it. Also from Sister Phyllis as well, my granddaughter Lillian is in her last year of nursing school. She has a very important test on Monday and needs to score at least an 86 to pass. A lot is riding on this particular grade. Thank you so much. Amen. You know, Brother Branham said, you know, you do your part, you study, and, and then God will throw a little meal in the mix and make it work out just right. Amen. Brother Joe went home. He was here earlier. He wasn't feeling good. So we want to remember him. We pray for him out front. He's having some chest pains and stuff like that. Um, he's so great. Let's pray. If you have a request upon your heart, just make it known with an uplifted hand. He that is so great sees the request upon your heart. Lord, I love you. Our pastor prayed and preached, Lord, about having present power with you, Lord, in this kingdom. And Lord, I look at the deliverance that you brought my son. Father, and it wasn't a power in myself, though I prayed and agonized, but you reached down your hand, Father, and delivered. We pray for these requests this evening, Lord. We've heard so many stories of people losing things, and Father, I've lost several things, Father, and you have returned them to me after a length of time. Lord, this is a precious ring for Sister Phyllis. We pray that you would just, Lord, bring it back into her. Bring it back to her. For our pastor, Lord, feeling sick this morning, Father, Lord, the name above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I lift up against this sickness. I lift up for the request of each and every heart here, Father. Nothing in myself do I bring But Lord, you said these things, do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not just speaking those syllables and those words, but it's a life living behind it, Father. The life of Jesus Christ living in your people today, looking up to you on that throne, Father, Lord, where there's nobody has conquered you, never will. No shadow of turning, Father. And we come with faith, Lord, believing and expecting for deliverance because, Father, you paid that price and you've given us the revelation, Lord, of the truth of this hour. Father, I love you. I pray for each and every one here, Father. Whatever the need is, Lord, sickness, mental health, salvation, Lord, you are more than able to meet the need of the hour. Thank you for the Sunday school, Father. And Lord, as we press forward in the battle, Help us keep our shields right next to each other and marching in line. Pray that you bless the tithes and offerings. Bless the cheerful giver, Father. Bless those that are streaming. I love you, Lord. I praise your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. I have a little announcement. Almost forgot, but I didn't. Uh, Sister Jennifer is uh, having a Christmas carol practice after service today for those that are gonna go sing Christmas carols at nursing home. So that's after the service today in the sanctuary. She'll be heading that up. God bless you. Amen, why don't you
0: take a few moments and just turn and greet your brother and sister, amen. Feel free to walk around a little bit, amen. Do something a little different on this Sunday morning, amen. me a G, amen. 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 Yeah, just feel free to greet him, man. Just have a good time. Good big smiles. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Yeah.
2: Ephesians 5, verse 8. For we were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light, and the Lord walk as children of light. I
0: Sister Sarah, hand.
3: Before I sing, I just wanted to give a little testimony. I thought maybe it might help Sister Phyllis a little bit. I have had two situations where I've lost rings twice. Lost a ring one time in a sandbox with my kids when they were little and prayed for 12 years all of a sudden the ring pops up one day and then uh, when we were moving here these three rings uh, one of them is my grandmother's wedding band is very special to me she gave it to me a long time ago and um, we had put my rings in the dresser the night before we went to bed just as the day before we were moving here and you know how moving is just crazy and so people come in, and they was helping us load the furniture up, and the boys come in, and they, for some reason they turned the dresser upside down and took it into the U-Haul, and I remembered my rings when they did that. We looked everywhere, couldn't find them rings nowhere. Looked in the grass, we finally found one, and um, I was just sick. And so we got here, we kept praying, kept praying. They moved the dresser out of the U-Haul, brought it in, and they as they were going up the stairs, I heard ping, ping, ping. And there was my rings. (laughs) And I was so excited. (laughs) So, Sister Phyllis, it's going to be all right. That ring's going to show up.
4: (laughs) Father of life, seated on your throne of grace. It's only by your mercy we are saved. Lord, you have said, if we call upon your name, we and our families will be saved, so we cry out your. failing to forgive. Each moment is a gift from You to live. We're only here to tell the world about Your grace until the day You take us all away.
5: They made a home for Elisha And found favor in his eyes God sent them a miracle The only thing they longed for Within a year they would hold a son As Elisha prophesied One day they ran from the field brought the child to his mother she held his head there on her knees until he died at noon that day she didn't tell anyone she ran straight to the man of god and if anybody asked her she replied well on She stood by the bedside Where she laid the boy when he died Prayed a prayer upon him And he breathed new life again Friend, God doesn't ever change If you'll have that woman's faith He'll send you a miracle And until then you can say
0: Water you turn into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise there's no one like sing a little bit of because he lives as brother Matt comes. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Amen. Mm. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. a wave off for this morning. because Raise our hands and be called.
6: Lord. Are you glad that he lives this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord, certainly. Amen. So thankful for that and that we have him and his presence and that's all that matters. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Let's turn in our Bible to Joshua chapter 4. We'll just go straight to the word this morning, Joshua chapter 4. Just going to read a few verses here. Amen. Joshua chapter 4. Amen. Well, we didn't expect to be here this morning, standing here when we preached Wednesday. And uh, <clears throat> and so we, we're just uh, glad that the Lord had something in his mind and wanted to go a little bit further with this. So I trust that you came hungry. Amen. And then expectation. How many just appreciated the word and the spirit that we heard Wednesday? Amen. Not just what was said, but the spirit of God that moved in this church. I believe that spirit, Brother Random said that lingers so that same spirit still here today. All you got to do is tap into it. Amen. Get get out of this earthly. Amen. And I'm going to go right with you. Amen. And go into that other dimension. Amen. Joshua chapter 4. We're just going to remember all those that are sick also. I know we've prayed. We're going to ask again here for special prayer. All those that are uh, out of church this morning and at home streaming because of a flu bug going around, a different one's sick. and. Um, I Brother Keith Brown, I don't know if this got announced or not, was supposed to be speaking today and Sister Charity uh, came down with flu symptoms, so they went home and then mom and dad got it, uh, still feeling some flu symptoms this morning, so they're at home streaming and uh, I'm sure there's many others. So we just, but we, we believe in healing, amen. amen. We believe in an atonement that didn't just save us, but also heals us and heals our body. And so we want to re- ask the Lord to remember those that are out this morning, And so we're going to pray for those needs here in just a moment. I would like to just continue on from where we were Wednesday on Anointed by the Supernatural. And it came to pass when all of the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest feet stood firm. Yeah, so this was specific to the Lord. Out of a certain spot, you're going to take these stones. Go into the river, don't just grab any, don't just pick up any stone because there was going to be a significance that was going to take place years after this event of the crossing of Jordan. You're going to see that here in just a moment. But he says here, go out of let's read it again. Commanding them saying, "Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan and take you up, every man of you, a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean you by these stones? Or, Daddy, what do these stones mean? What's this all about? What's all these things we talk about? What's all this about? And he says, when your children ask, What mean you by these stones? Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan, that's as important. We spoke Wednesday on the same river that Elijah and Elisha cross. It's the same river that Joshua crosses. And he says, let's read it again. He says, and you shall answer them, verse 7. The waters of Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Lord Jesus, we just bow our heads now in your presence, Lord. Lord, how much we have a need from you this morning. Lord, all of us would be various, Lord. Those that are sick in body, not feeling well different sicknesses lord going around we just ask god and pray a special prayer lord this church we lift up our voices right now asking you great physician to go and touch our pastor lord father and my mom lord i pray for sister charity brown lord the different ones maybe i won't even mention this morning but you're mindful of them lord you're mindful of even the sparrow Lord, and I pray, God, that you would be mindful of them this morning. Lord, of us here today, God, how there's not one of us, Lord, that is gathered in this building this morning, Lord, without some need inside of our heart, some reason, Lord God, that maybe that we're here today and maybe praying about what would be various, Lord. And, God, I just pray, Lord, as even I stand here in great need of you, Lord, in your help, I pray, God, that you would help send an unction, Lord, of the Holy Spirit, Father, that you would allow me to speak these things that you've burned and put inside of my heart. Lord, I pray, God, not just for me as I would speak, Lord, but Father, help these, Lord, that are here today, Lord, to create the right atmosphere. For we know, Lord, that atmosphere is so important, Lord, to create the right atmosphere. I pray, God, that you would help us to do that this morning as we just continue, Lord, in the Sunday morning worship service to worship you, Lord. Now, God, may you take your word, Lord, and may you speak, we ask, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. We picked up, left off in What House Will You Build Me? And I want you to go and display that PowerPoint if you could. And I'm just going to read just to cap some of these things uh, that we spoke on Wednesday. And Brother Brandon begins to give, express his desire for the Tucson Tabernacle in Tucson, Arizona. And it's 1965, What House Will You Build Me? He's coming, as we said on Wednesday, to some of the last things he would speak, some of his last thoughts uh, as we spoke on Wednesday on the transfer of that burden or the transfer of that inheritance just as Elisha asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit because he needed that mantle and he understood that when he was in Jordan and he wouldn't stay and Elijah says tarry here and I said Lord as my soul liveth I'll not leave thee but I'll go with you I'll stick with you I'll stay beside you and so Elisha was not going to stop in Bethel until he had the mantle that Elijah was wearing And that mantle was representative of a promise or a purpose that the Lord had had. It was representative of a burden that God had placed upon this man, Elijah. And with that burden, there was promises that was given unto Elijah. And Elisha knew that in order to, to pass over Jordan again, I'm going to need that same power. I'm going to need that same burden. I'm going to need that same anointing. I'm going to need that same God, but not just the same, or else he would have said, give me what you have. But Elijah realized he needed more than what he. Elisha realized. He needed more than what Elijah had. Somebody following me this morning. So he says, give me a double portion of what you had. Let that spirit be a double. Let it be magnified in two times what you have. And I believe it's so representative of the age that we live in today that we need a double portion of the anointing that was on the messenger has to come onto the bride. There's got to be a transfer of that same expectation, of that same faith. The prophet would say it this way, there's got to come a rapturing faith upon the people. And before we can ever have a rapturing faith, there's got to be an expectation. There's got to be a burden. There's got to be something that that burns inside of them, an expectation. And so he begins to list some of his last things that he's going to say. In this church here, he speaks... um, I don't remember the title. I was just hearing it just the other day. And the prophet of God is saying this to a church in Arizona. And he starts saying, you brothers here, he said, I... He said, "I didn't want to. I didn't want to have a church here. Don't want to cause a controversy amongst you assemblies of God, and some of you that are in the Nazarene Pilgrim Holiness, and some of you in the Baptist Church, and even points to some of the brothers who were there in that meeting that were uh, in a Catholic church." And Brother Branham says, um, "He says, but I sat here for three years, and you never invited me to preach in your pulpits. You never had me speak. I was here in the desert for three years, and now Brother Green has opened up a church. You know, Brother Green, it was." So so incredible do you know why Brother Green said he brother Perry Green opened a church in Tucson Arizona why he started a church and left Beaumont, Texas he was the superintendent of a, of a denomination there and he leaves Beaumont Texas Thank you Brother Tony. He leaves Beaumont Texas and he, and, he, and he leaves everything my grandpa and grandma were there with Brother Green in Beaumont before he went to Arizona and had my grandpa went with brother Green I'd probably be living in Arizona right now. Uh, But he didn't. The Lord had other plans. And Brother Green goes to Arizona and he starts a church. And I thought it was so incredible that Brother Green says, the reason I, I started the Tucson Tabernacle, a church, is that I wanted a place of worship that I can come into and say the name William Branham and it not offend anybody. That was his reason he started a church, was that so he could preach the message and not have to explain it or be a, offend anybody by it. And you hear Brother Brennan saying, I'm so glad I've got churches that have opened the door uh, to my ministry and have caught the inspiration. Listen to some of these things he says here. It's uh, just, I thought, was so profound uh, to that church here. This, this one doesn't work, guys. I don't know what happened to the good one. If you've got another one of these Logitech ones back there, please bring it. If not, just go ahead and advance the slide. Press the next arrow. Notice this, the next one uh, there. He says, but we, this is what house will you build me. But we, as this group of people, and this we read Wednesday, we'll, get, we'll, co- we'll cover that again. We have a message for this day. We believe that God has given us a message. And Brother Green, as I don't know what to call him, my associate, because we are, well, it is also my associate. We're together in this message. Brother Green preaches the same thing and message that I believe in. He has left his home. He has left his people. He has left his church. He was, I believe, he was a district superintendent or something of one of them, one of the organizations, and give the whole thing up when he heard this. He left everything that was dear to him also to come to the desert just to support what God is giving to us now. Let me stop and emphasize, it cannot be overemphasized enough that there was a generation of people who left everything to come to this. Now what about the generation of people, I included, who didn't have to leave anything but we're raised up in the message You didn't have to sacrifice and leave a home or leave a church or leave a family and leave everything to come to this. Let me just say, until you leave everything, until you leave every thought, every previous idea, all opinions, listen, we're not a church full of opinions. We've got the vindicated, thus saith the Lord from God's prophet, and it's not a, a matter of opinion or what I think or your perspective or my perspective, but we leave everything. Amen. Say, why, Brother Matt? Because we want that same anointing that was on Elijah to come to Elisha, And you'll never receive in it questioning Elijah. Yeah. Well, Amen. He says we, he's left everything. He left everything was dear to him and also to come to the dead just to support what he's given us now. Go to the next slide. I say I believe it's not only should be in our hearts, it should be our duty to back him up everything that we can to attend the services, to come here to worship, to make this a place where God can reveal to us the things that he has for us to Reveal. I say we ought to support the church. We ought to support the pastor. We ought to attend the services. Hello? This was his desire for his church in Tucson. And as his word said, this is Brother Branham quoting what Brother Green had said on the tape before Brother Branham takes the pulpit. And as his word said, the message doesn't come to me. This is Brother Green. Through the giving of the inspiration, as it does maybe to some of us. But he said, I am here to back up what God has given Let me just say, Brother Matt is here to back up what God has given. How many would join me and say, I am here to back up and to support what God has given? Glory. And he says, I'm here to back up. What a statement, Brother Branham says. And I believe if we will cooperate together, we'll put our hearts to it. Next. Next. I know that each of you, if you feel like I do, I am so hungry to see the Spirit of God moving. I just can't hardly stand it. This is what was burning in Brother Branham's heart. He's about to lose in November. In December, he'll be in a car accident. Just a few months, a few weeks later, and here's what's on his heart. After the seals, after the mysteries are unfolded, after the revelation of the Word, after the mighty God unveiled. And Brother Branham's saying, I'm so hungry, I just can't hardly stand it. Some experiences I've had just up in the mountain, just to feel that once again. That's something that when I was first saved, he goes back to all the, all the way back to the first initial experience he had when he got saved. Amen. And here he is at the end of his life, and he's longing for what the Lord did him did for him years before this. And he says, and we could come into a place. We can sit and we could see it among us that we're drying As we sit here in the desert, I get among my brother and they talk with me and I talk with them, always in a little way of watching, filling out there with the spirit as it was to see just the condition of that brother to see what's wrong. Keep, Keep going, follow with me. I begin to fill us all reclining. I begin to fill us. I'm so hungry to see the power of God. I'm so hungry I could just hardly stand it. But I begin to fill us all reclining, getting away from the Spirit. It's became too natural a thing to us. And he says, we must worship in the Spirit. Where the Spirit of God is, not only our message should be the flame of the hour, I love this, it should be the flame in our hearts. It's got to be in our hearts or we can't rightly present it to the people. The spirit has to pack the message itself. Amen. They may never hear what you say, but they'll feel the spirit that you carry. Amen. And that'll make the way for what you want to say. Amen. Go on, go on. And now that Brother Green, God has sent him in here and opened us up a church of like precious faith that we believe in. We ought to be very grateful to God and attend every service. Amen. Take every place that we can. Take every place. I'd miss stopping here because I feel the Holy Spirit. Take every place. We ought to be very grateful to God that we've got a church that we could come to. We ought to be very grateful to God that there's a local body of believers that we could worship with. We ought to be because there's some people who don't have that privilege, aren't in a place of life where they can go to a body of believers and worship the Lord in freedom. And in truth, we ought to be very grateful to God and attend every service Take every place, take every place, take every place. What's he saying here? Don't just come and give us your person, your presence, your personal. Well, I've graced you. I'm here, aren't I? I'm I'm at the church, aren't I? Brother Branham says, take every place. If you see a, a spot that needs filled, fill that spot. Take that place. And if we're asked to call on, to pray, to seek, to do, let's be soldiers. Just anxious to do it. Keep the message honorable. Live the right kind of life. We're living too late. Now, this is the last words Elijah is saying to Elisha. This is the last burden upon his heart. This is what he wanted to instill. This is the mandate he wanted to pass on. This is the commission he was commissioning Elisha with. Keep the message honorable. How many want that here today? Live the right kind of life. Come on, I need your help preaching this morning. Live the right kind of life. Don't let no smut come upon it. Lord, help me to not let any smut come upon it. Help me, Lord, to keep it honorable to live the right kind of life. We're living too late now. We're too late in an hour. Let's live it clean. I wonder if that would resonate with somebody here this morning. Well, my life, your life, all of our lives need to be picked up before God. Mm-hmm. Our young people just ride around from place to place, from show to show, drifting further and further away from God, right? Now that's the truth. I see it in my children Amen. and I see myself getting to a place where not, listen, you, you've got to assemble yeah. ourselves together together. To worship God. Amen. The Bible said so. Amen. When we see this day approaching, that much more come together. Yeah. Amen. If there's only two yeah. people here, you be one Amen. of them. Amen. If we come together and worship together, then we just something another about it. Jesus said, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there. I am in their midst. Go back. Thank you. There I am. This was the passion. This was the desire. This is what he was placing. This is what he was instilling. This is what was upon his heart. This is what he wanted to say. This is what he wanted to pass down. This is what he wanted to pass on. If he had a few burdens, he could leave with the church. If his voice could say a something if he could pass something on to them if his voice could speak uh, today this morning this is the this is the burden he'd want to pass on this is the 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 the, 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 the this is the uh, 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 uh prayer that he would pray Amen. and i think i think it's significant to understand this because lest we go beyond the message unless time goes on And then we forget the initial burden. We forget the original purpose. You know, as Brother Branham says, they always, he says, there's always been a spirit that will always try to come in and change this or change that or paint this up or dress this up over here or modernize this and reculture it over here. There's always that spirit. We're always having to fight against that spirit. And so he says, this is the original purpose. This is the original burden. I want you to move on down, Noah, to slide uh, 21. We're just going to skip and then we'll come back. The way the Lord gave me this. Y'all forgive me. I'm on short notice this morning. <laughs> and so he says here, get in the spirit. Listen to what Brother Branham says here and the message, in the, in the Patmos vision. He says, he's quoting the scripture here. I was in the spirit. Isn't that just beautiful? My, I love that. You could just call those words the whole of the Christian life. I was in the spirit. If we're going to live as Christians, we have to be in his spirit. John was not talking about being in his own spirit. That would not have brought these visions. It had to be the spirit of God. It has to be the spirit of God with us to all of our efforts or all of our efforts are in vain. Paul said, I will pray in the spirit. I will sing in the spirit. I will live in the Spirit. If there is anything good that will come to me, it has to be revealed by the Spirit, confirmed by the Word, and made manifest by the results it bears. As surely as John needed to be in the Spirit to receive these tremendous revelations fresh from Jesus, we need to be in the Spirit to understand the revelations that God has given to us to live by in His Word, for it is the same Spirit. So this, this was some of the original things, because that's what we're going to be talking about here today. Some of, the, some of the initial purpose or the original blessing or the original burden that was upon Elijah has to be passed to Elisha. And here was one of the foundational principles... This is what's happening in Joshua in our scripture here. It was the foundational stones when they're passing over Jordan. There's going to be a miracle take place. Something that uh, happens in Joshua. It also happens in Elisha and Elijah. But here it is with Joshua and the, the Jordan waters are going to part. They're going to separate for them to pass over Jordan. And so what's going to happen? It's a fresh generation of people. This is not the generation that comes out of Egypt. Are you hearing me? This is not them that came out of Egypt. They died in the wilderness as God spoke to Moses and said their carcasses will fall in the wilderness. But there's an entire new generation of people who weren't raised in the message, who never seen Egypt, who never came out of Egypt. And God tells Joshua, recircumcise The new generation, circumcise the new generation. In other words, let them have the same experience as the first experience. Because if you don't have an experience of leaving something and forsaking something, you'll never appreciate that something. But when you leave it and you forsake something, then you hold dear what the Lord has given you. And so he says, have the 12 priests... Out of every tribe of man, they're going to pass over Jordan. So they go through Jordan, they cross the river. And then God says, now I want you to take, he says, I want you to take a stone out of every place where the priest's feet stood firm, 12 stones. Notice this isn't just random. It's not just any stone in the Jordan River. But he specifies in our scripture, out of the place where the priest." Feet stood firm in other words wherever they were standing when they were standing and crossing the Jordan uh, Joshua tells them I want you to take a man and he says and I want you come here brother he says I want you to take a man and he says I want you to take a stone and he says and out of the Jordan River pick up a stone right so it picks up that stone wherever the priest feet here's a priest right here come here stand here brother Stand right here. Come here, brother. You stand right here. We got enough Johnsons. We can make all the priests, all 12 tribes. Come here. Come here. Come here, Chris. Come here, brother Steve. Chris, I want, you to face, I want you to face here. Brother Steve, I want you to face this brother. Come here, Josh. Come here, Rome. And come here, Caleb. Is that Caleb? Come here, Chris. Come here. Oh, we got enough. We got enough. Okay, I want to have it just like this. Okay, turn. You ready? Now, this is what God says. The, the priests are going to go into the water. Here's all of the priests. They're going to go into the water. And when the priest feet, the priesthood, when they touch the Jordan, not before, but they have to have enough faith when they're putting their foot in the water that Jordan's going to part. You know, sometimes you don't see the evidence of what God's doing until you take a step of faith and put your foot in the water. It wasn't going to be when they waited. God was going to do it like Moses when he takes a staff and here's God's prophet. This is not the prophet. This is the priest. This is not the, most, the ministry of Moses. This is the ministry of Joshua, the Holy Ghost. And so Moses takes a staff and all the people are, 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 are there and he takes a staff, plants it in the joy, in the Red Sea and the waters come up like billows. But here now the dispensation of priests. And so he, he puts his feet in the water and Jordan parts. Waters begin to separate. Then you notice the next priest, you could, you could see the water part and he goes to stand. And then the water parts a little bit more. And he stands here, then the water parts a little bit more. And before you know it, there's a pathway going to over to Canaan Amen. through Jordan. But you first got to come through who? The anointed priest that God has placed in the Jordan River. And by their lives or their ministry, backing up what Moses had said, backing up what God had said through Moses, listen, they weren't going to come and try to change something or give their opinions. They were eunuchs. They didn't have a seat of their own. They didn't have a thought coming of their own. They were just going to say what he said. They were going to preach what he preached. They weren't going to change it. If they did, it wouldn't have worked. But those priests' job were to be faithful to the law that God had given, and so when they stood in the water, and that priest, what was Jordan represent? What was the river representative of? Death, sin. That's what the prophet teaches. It represents sin, and it represents death. So when a priest who's anointed by God and commissioned by a prophet stands in death, he is commissioned to hold death back from his family. Let me say that again. When a man of God, I'm not just talking about preachers. I'm talking about any son of God that is, that is anointed by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When he puts his foot into sin or to death that is trying to creep into his home, he is commissioned by God to hold sin out of his family's life. He's commissioned by God to hold the devil out of his gateways to his home. Are you with me, church? Do you realize that the people are passing through the waters because there's an anointed priesthood who is preaching what Moses preached and now death stays out of their life and sin stays out of their homes. Now let me ask you something. What happens if the priest decides, you know, that was just Brother Branham's opinion and I really don't know about that. And then that priest steps out of the water. And then this priest over here steps and goes, you know, I, I just don't know, guys. This is a new modern generation. We gotta, we gotta change it. It doesn't exactly work here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit down. I, I, you know, I'm just gonna take a seat. I, I'll just push play. We really don't need that anymore. Do you know what happens when priests don't stand in their post of duty and preach what Moses is, what Moses preached? Sin comes into the church. Compromise comes into the families lukewarmness creeps into the home when a priest doesn't stand in his position. Oh, let me just preach here today and say, I'm not going to. You might want to give up on the promises of God. You might want to change the message and what Elijah said. I'm going to stand with my foot on the promise God gave me. And I'm going to preach it the way he preached it. And I'm not coming out of Jordan. I'm not taking my foot out of the water. I'm going to preach it gun barrel straight you say why brother Matt because it's because if I don't and we compromise then sin is like a tidal wave waiting at any moment for someone to step out of their position so it can flood our churches and flood our young people and flood our marriages and flood our music and flood our pastor and flood our our ministry and flood our churches. Listen, friends, I don't want Jordan in any part of my life. How many would stand with me, would raise a hand and say, I don't want Jordan in any part of my home, any part of my mind, any part of my spirit. I want to say thank God for a ministry that will preach the message of the hour without compromise. Do I have a church that's thankful and will say thank you, our brothers and pastor who will preach the unadulterated word. Hallelujah. And not change it and not compromise on it and not regenerate it or modernize it, but will preach it the way God said it. Thank you, brothers. Now, God says, Joshua, I want you to go over and I want you to take... The stone where his foot was. So here's here's that man who God ordained to come out of, to represent Reuben, to represent Simeon, to represent Manasseh. These These are the names. This is the generation. This is the family of God. And God says, I want you, Joshua, to take a stone so where his right foot was. Stay there. Take that stone His right foot was right there. I want you to lift that stone. And place it here. Now, come over here. Take this stone. Here was his left foot. His left foot was on this stone, right? It wasn't on that stone. It wasn't on that over there. It wasn't on what this brother said or with that bro- what they said over here about three gods or, or you know, baptism in a church. Tr- no, no. His foot stood on one God to baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to place it right here. Oh, over here. Oh, oh. So over here, it wasn't. Uh, his, his foot was right here. His foot was on this stone. Now, this priest over here, his foot was on this stone. What well, were these stones representative of? The original faith yeah. that was delivered to the saints. Yeah. It was what he stood upon. It's what he preached. It's what Luther preached through justification. And Wesley preached through sanctification. And Pentecost preached through the restoration of the gifts Amen. back to the body. Amen. Yeah. And so he says, take these specific stones. Don't change it. Because this is where they stood firm. This is where God's prophet stood firm. Though doors were shut to him. Though his ministry was rejected. Though he said, I sat in Tucson for three years, you never invited me. So did that mean he would change his ministry so that he'd get invitations to other churches? No, he stood firm. It cost him his family. It cost him his friends. It cost him his health. But his foot stood firm firm. And so God, the Lord tells Joshua take those stones because those stones are going to represent something to the next generation. Because there's coming a generation of that That generation will go through the wilderness, through Canaan that generation may pass off the scene but there's coming a revival when children young people begin to look into the message for themselves and say Hey, what does this mean? What does this mean, Dad? And God, Joshua said, the Lord tells Joshua so that you can point back, not to the opinion, not to the not to what you think, but you can point back to the vindicated word and say, when God sent a revival and God sent a prophet, He separated us from the world, He separated us from denominational ideas, He separated us from compromise, He separated us from a life of sin. He separated us to, to not look like the world, not dress like the world, not act like the world, not go to the the places that the world goes? Jordan was clean. We clean passed over it. And the waters of Jordan were separated. And so that that next generation could receive a revival, not by asking mom and dad, hello, It was good for mom and dad to tell the stories. It was good for mom and dad to to, to teach the children. But those children who would receive the revival had to go all the way back to the first foundations of when the church was laid on the day of Pentecost. And they would have to receive that same experience, original experience, that original flame, that original fire. Listen to what Brother Branham says you. This is some foundational things. Here's some stones where the priest's feet stood firm. Paul said, I pray in the spirit. I'll sing in the spirit. If there's anything good, uh, he says, let's go to the next slide, Brother Noah, the next one after that. He says, now he was in the spirit. He got in the spirit. Then things began to take place. Amen. Notice here, maybe he was dancing jumping, running all around the island. He was having a good time. He was in the Spirit. So that may sound sacrilegious, but I don't mean it that way. He says he could. Well, he might have been doing that. I believe he was having a good time in the Spirit, just praising God, because that's exactly what happened when the Spirit fell on them at the first place. When the Holy Ghost fell on them, they staggered like drunk men. And women and acted like they were drunk and jabbering and carrying on like that. Till the people said, these people are full of new wine. That's the way they acted the first time. So the spirit come again, he probably acted the same way. I love this statement. There's nothing new about this. This thing. This is an old time religion. What is the message of the hour? There's nothing new about the message of the hour. It's an old time. It's the old time religion. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, he says, pray to God for revelation, for a revelation by His spirit. That is the first step. Get in the spirit. Amen. I'm just going to preach that here for a moment. I could have titled my sermon that, get in the spirit. I mean, let use another illustration. Suppose you need healing. What is God's word? What does the word say? Well, we've read it countless times, but did not get in the spirit when reading it. I never knew Brother Brother Branham said this until I read this in Patna's vision. He says, we've read it countless times, but did not get in the spirit when reading it. Did we ask God for his spirit to teach us the real truth of it? If we did, we would call the elders, confess our sins, be anointed and prayed for, and that would be that. It might not come immediately, but in his spirit... It's all over. There's no other court of appeal. God will fulfill his word. Oh, we need to get in the spirit. And then things will be done. Don't go through the acts first. Get in the spirit. And then go through the acts and watch God. Watch what God will do. So, what is the two keys to a promise of God being transferred off of the Bible into my life? First, get in the spirit. And then go through the acts. Hello, it's twofold. You don't just get in the spirit and not go through the acts. You don't just go in the act through the acts. A lot of people go through the acts of emotions, but they never got in the spirit. But a lot of people get in the spirit, but they never are willing to go through the acts. You say, what are some of the acts? Saying "Amen" to the Word of God is part of the acts with your vocal cords and your voice, in the Word. If you need need prayer, you get up out of your seat, you come to an altar, that's going through the ax when I anoint you with oil and we begin to pray, that's going through the ax. How can you ever expect God to fulfill his word if you're not willing to go through the ax? Brother Branham said that, he said a lot of people, he said a lot of people are are expecting God to give them something they never asked for. You got to ask. Well, I thought the Lord knows my heart. Brother Branham says, you got to ask. A lot of people are waiting for God. I just know God's going to do it. you got to ask first. got to go through the acts. I'm going to keep reading this. Have you ever noticed how the world gets in the spirit of things that are in the world? They go to their ball games, their sporting events, and their dances. They enter into the spirit of it. They don't sit there like wallflowers. Come on, church. They don't sit there like wallflowers. I've been with you watching some of your games. You don't sit there like wallflowers. You get excited. You're you're for your team. What are you doing? You're getting in the spirit of it. Oh, how much more do we have something so much greater than a ball game or a football game? We have the power of the living God moving amongst us. How much more should we get in the spirit of our church services? You get in the spirit of it. They enter right into the, he says, they don't, they don't sit there like wallflowers, old dried up sticks. They enter right into the fill of things and become a part of things. But oh, how they hate us Christians for getting in the spirit of God's word. They call us fanatics and holy rollers. There's nothing that they won't do to show their hatred or disapproval. But I love this, but ignore that. You can expect it knowing where it's coming from. Just go on and get in the spirit of worship. Don't worry about what the critic says. Don't worry about what the traditionalist says. Just go ahead and get in the spirit of it. Hallelujah. The Christian ought to be just as exuberant and full of his pleasure in the Lord as the world is when it savors and delights in its pleasures. Both Christians and the world are human. Both have emotions. The difference is the Christians' hearts and emotions are purely on the Lord of glory and his love, while the world satisfies the flesh. I don't know about you, but I can identify and say, Lord, my heart is purely on the Lord of glory and his love. You say, Brother Matt, is that important? It's important that we get in the flesh. You know, that's been so so talked about. You're getting in the flesh as if it was a bad thing. David in Psalms 139, I think it is, says, I will praise the Lord. He says, I will give glory to the Lord in my flesh. I read you the quote just Wednesday night. Brother Branham says, God will be so real in their bodies, which is their flesh. You say, not all speak with tongues. Absolutely not all. I didn't speak in tongues when I was first born of the Spirit of God. I did years later, have many times since. That doesn't mean that you'll speak in tongues, but did you know just while we're here, while we're here, did you know that speaking in tongues and the gifts of prophecy, the gift of prophecy and interpretation is the only thing in the entire New Testament Bible that you are allowed to covet? Thou shalt not covet anything except speaking in tongues. Well, if you don't believe me, then you don't believe the Bible, because that's what the Apostle Paul said. He says, Brethren, covet, ask that you may prophesy, that you may speak in tongues, but more that you may prophesy. In other words, give an interpretation to it. Not all speak in tongues. Most of the time, people, listen, a lot of the times, uh, you, get, you get an individual who doesn't shout or doesn't dance, that's because they don't shout or dance at ball games or any other kind of event. They express themselves in a different way. That's okay. So long as you're expressing yourself, hello, so long as you're letting the freedom of the Holy Spirit have his way, doesn't matter who you are. We don't have a bunch of lookalikes. We don't all act the same way. The point is we get out of ourselves and out of our shell and out of our being to do something to get God's attention. Yeah. Amen. There's not, I'm just going to stop here. There's not one single emotion that you should look for. But let me say this, you something has to happen. I say that on the basis of God's prophets, something will happen. That something may be different, but something will happen. Something. That's exact quote from questions and answers when he's asked about those that believe the message with all their heart, yet they've never had a Pentecostal experience. They've never had these signs. Should they? He says, Brother Brandon, do they have the Holy Ghost or do they still need it? Brother Brandon gives one simple story, the story of a candle. And he says, you have the candle, you have the wick, you have the tallow, you have all the wax, you have the vessel. And he says that you've got all the ingredients. And Brother Brandon points to those ingredients as the fruits of the Spirit. You have all of the all. you're made up of all of the word of God. You have everything in order. Brother Random says, but until that candle received the lighting of the flame, it's not born again. It's exactly what he answers in questions and answers. It takes the lighting of the flame. Something happens and it's not just a knowledge or an enlightenment or rationalizing and mental agreeing. That's not revelation. Revelation is when something strikes your heart and it brings stimulation by revelation. Amen. Listen to me, friends. Though All those things is the Holy Ghost. The Bible says the Holy Ghost is the spirit of wisdom. If you need wisdom, ask for God. He'll grant it. Amen. I just read you a verse out of the Bible. Needeth thou wisdom? Ask the Lord, and he shall give it to thee. Solomon asked, and the Lord gave it to him. You need wisdom, knowledge, understanding. But listen, true conversion moves beyond the human mind. It moves beyond human emotion. It moves, and it happens in the soul. Yet both realms recognize it. It did in every case in the Bible every single one of them in the book of Acts. So let me just move on through some of this. But let me just stop and say, you say, Brother Matt, does that mean something we have to do? There there, there, there has to be something take place? Do you know that, that Brother Branham's with Banks Woods and he throws up a rock in the air? What was that rock? It was a physical doing something. He didn't just think think something in his mind, and then Brother Branham says, ah, caught your thought there, Brother Woods. No, no, no. He picks up a rock and he throws it up in the air. And Brother Branham says, when that rock, he said, it spun around three times and it created just a little disturbance in the atmosphere. Just a disturbance in the atmosphere. And he says, and then it began to spin, and he says, when that whirlwind landed, it landed on Alaska and nearly sunk it. What was that? That was a person physically doing something and then God in the supernatural reacting and responding. What does the Bible say? Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. It doesn't say think upon the name of the Lord. It says call upon the name of the Lord. I'm just going to keep preaching this till you believe it because it's the truth. When Jesus prays for a man, he takes mud, he spits into the dirt and makes up, why did Jesus do that? What was he doing? Because there was a representation with something physically that had a supernatural consequence. When brother when he throws, throws up the rock, Brother Random says, it disturbed the atmosphere. You know, sometimes when you're going through hell, and some of us are going through hell on earth in our lives, you know, sometimes the devil will just get you to stew, and he'll get you to think about it, and you get so down in your mind, and you're struggling with that thing and that pressure. Sometimes what you ought to do is use your vocal cords in your voice and curse that spirit out loud, and it might just disturb that atmosphere enough to break that spirit out of your life why do we verbally say amen to the word of God when the preacher's preaching to disturb the atmosphere to move out of this earthly to get the heavenly to come down that's why people stand to their feet and shout not to be emotional though it's all right to be emotional it's to disturb you're doing something physically when Hattie Rice speaks I know we used this last time But when Hattie, right, spoke and said, that's nothing but the truth, Brother Brannon. And Brother Brannon says, that moved heaven. I I thought about that. What would have happened had Hattie not spoke? Hello? What if she would have just thought about it? And in her mind, that's the truth. I I mean, friends, I'm just gonna hear, I'm just gonna tell you what a prophet said. When she spoke those words, And she spoke them. And when you speak, something enters the atmosphere that's troubling you and it breaks something. That's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I could go on and on and on and on and on and on about it. There was something physical that was attached to the supernatural. This is why emotion matters to God. Responding to the preaching of the word matters to God. You say, why, Brother Matt? Because this was the original flame. Listen to what Brother Branham says here and go back up to the very first quotes Palmer worm, uh, uh, locust, canker worm. It's slide uh, 10, Brother Noah. Listen to what Brother Branham says here. Now, We know that we can only build a church first upon the material that God gave us to build it with. That's all we have. And I think, I know this is strong and it's on tape. Hundreds of people around the world will hear it. But before we can ever have a building, the church of God will have to restore back all those things that these insects ate out of it. We'll have to go back. Before you can go forward, you got to go back. And find out what the insects ate before this vine of the Lord, the great vine. He's the vine, we're the branches. Before we can ever find out, or the church can stand in its formal and former and original power, we'll have to go back and find out what the insects ate. And the church will have to be restored back to that. What are we preaching on? Some of the original stones where the priest's feet stood firm. The church, before it will ever stand in its glory and its first standing. Now, the first thing, the church was established on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached the inauguration sermon at the, and I'm not going to pronounce that word, when the church was born. My son had one and I couldn't even pronounce it then. Some of you uh, educated people can give me that word. And he says, when the church was born, it's the inauguration. That's what Brother Branham's point is. And he says, the church was born, the Christian church was born on the day of Pentecost. And if God is infinite, infinite cannot change. His church must remain the same as it was at the beginning. Do you admit that? The church must remain the same as it was. Listen here, listen close to what I want to tell you. The ever knowledge. Anybody reading with me? Come on, call out that false doctrine. (laughs) The ever understanding, the ever education, the ever behavior. No, it's not what he said, the ever presence. That's him, his person, his presence of the living God is the lifeline of any church. Not the personality, not the charisma of the man, not his gift that he has, not how good the music is, though we love good music and we got some of the best. Can I get an amen? amen? We got good song leading, some of the best. We got good church. We got good gifts. But listen, that is not the lifeline of Bethel Tabernacle. What is the lifeline of this church? The presence of the living God is the lifeline of the church. You could cut everything else out, but have that, and you'd have all you need or any bunch of people, the ever presence of the living God to perform and to do and to act and to live with the people as he did at the beginning. If the presence of the living God brought a Pentecost with power, with signs, with wonders, brought a people so full of the glory of God till they shouted and spoke with other languages and went and martyrs for the faith, Brother Branham says, let's earnestly contend for that faith until death shall set us free. Earnestly fight, earnestly struggle, earnestly contend. Don't compromise. Let us earnestly contend for it. If God brought forth his first branch out of that vine was a Pentecostal branch, With power, visions, revelations, healing, sanctification, Holy Spirit, the next branch will be the same thing. It will be the same thing, certainly will. Every time that vine puts forth a branch, it'll be exactly like the first one was at the first place. The martyr stood there without a bat of his eye. He knew where he was standing. He knew who he had believed. He was able, knowing this, that God could raise him up on the last day because he promised before he'd bow down to any man-made old dirty rag sapline, he'd die on that stump. Hallelujah. Let me die the same place. If my God doesn't come in my generation, here's what Elijah said to Elijah. I'll die on the stump where the cankerworms ate to it, believing that Jesus Christ and his church and his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll die on this stump. Let my voice be this. I might not be able to produce it out of all these branches because old saplines here of denomination and creed cut me off and drop me out like a hot potato. That might be true. But I'll stand loyal on the stump and cry that that hour will come. God will restore his church to its former condition. Hallelujah. You say, Brother Matt, what are you preaching? Listen. I'm going to read you one more. The messenger, Malachi 4, Revelations 10, 7 is going to do two things. According to Malachi 4, he will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. Two, he will reveal the mysteries of the seven thunders in Revelations 10, which are the revelations contained in the seven seals. It will be these divinely revealed mystery truths that literally, Uh, physically turn the hearts of the children to the Baptist fathers. Oh, I read that wrong. It'll literally turn the hearts of the children back to the pilgrim holiness, back to the assemblies of God, back to the Methodists, back to the Catholic. No. Back to 1906 Azusa. No. Back to the Pentecostal fathers. Exactly so. He turns the hearts of the children back to the faith of the Pentecostal Father so it would be back to the original message. We know when it gets here, it'll be a restoration to send that lukewarm lady in church back to that original faith, back yonder again. And this time he's to take the same faith because they got away from the original faith. He's going to turn the faith of the fathers of the children back to the fathers, the Pentecostal fathers. Another Acts 2. That's right. Another one. He promised Malachi 4 he would do this and manifest his word. This is the token, 1964. For those of you that dates matter, what date did he say this in? The day he date he was a prophet. That's when, as Brother Aaron says, he, Malachi 4, he would do and manifest his word to turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers again. Back to the original Pentecostal word. The real Bible word. The Pentecostal, they claim Pentecostal organization. There's no such a thing as a Pentecostal organization. Pentecost is an experience. Not an organization. They tried to organize it, but you can't. See, it doesn't organize. Pentecost is an experience. It's the seal of God, the Holy Spirit that come on the day of Pentecost. I want to stop here just a moment and share a thought with you, just something I was just pondering on over just last night, actually, before I knew I'd be preaching today pondering this just a few days ago, Brother Branham says, and he preaches this in canker worm, worm locust, caterpillar. He preaches it, and I will restore, saith the Lord. He picks it back up in the token, in the invisible union. He picks it back up. Uh, all of these later messages, Brother Branham preaches, he's preaching the same thing all the way from the beginning to the end. So anyone that wants to come and say, oh, that was back when Brother Brandon was Pentecostal. This is the word and the word only. And you can't, this is not a Pentecostal message. That was back when, Brother, before the seals were open. Listen, he tells those same stories, says those same exact things all the way to what house will you build me? 1965. Leadership. 1965. I was pondering this the other day. Brother Brandon preaches this and I will restore and he says, and this is elementary, so just stay right with me. It's not complicated. He shows how that the church, Jesus said, unless a corn of wheat goes, dies and goes into the ground, it abides alone. And Brother Branham picks that scripture up in Matthew and says, that was Jesus prophesying of the Gentile dispensation that would start in Ephesus through Paul. And Brother Branham says he Jesus knew that God would pour out an original experience on Pentecost and then that church in just a few short years would denominate and organize and fall away from that original word. What is it? That corn of wheat, that seed goes into the ground and it dies. And Brother Branham says it was dead throughout the dark ages. And then he comes to the end of the Ephesian church age and he says, he says, all that's left is a squalid village with just a few believers. Sign of Pentecost is nowhere to be. Some of the, some of the, you read some of the things he said in the Ephesian church age. Then he says, Then God promised, I will restore. I'll restore it back through Luther. What was Luther? Brother Branham says he was a life messenger. Right. And he would restore some of the life. That seed that went in the ground and died, it would pop up in a stalk. And Brother Branham says that stalk was Luther's message. And he preached, the just shall live by faith. But it wasn't, listen, the seed was the original church. Luther was the stalk. He wasn't the original church, but it was the beginning or the framework, Brother Branham would call it, to restore that original seed. And so Brother Branham says Luther was the stalk. And he says, Brother Adam says, that, that church that died at Pentecost would be restored through three life messengers. Amen. And so he calls Luther a life messenger. He restores justification. And he types him as the stalk. Then he talks about Wesley. And he says, John Wesley's message of sanctification. Why did he have to preach sanctification? Because the church, when John Wesley comes on the scene, they've lived under Luther. But Brother Branham says, what, God, what would happen? He says, God would send the message. There would be a revival that struck the heart of people. Then that messenger would die. And the people would denominate and organize around his teaching. And they would die. The life was, was gone. So Wesley comes along. And Brother Branham calls him the tassel. And he uses the wheat plant. In other places, he calls him just a blade. And so here's more restoration. And so Luther com- Wesley comes on the scene, and while everyone's claiming justification and they're living justified, they're also living like the world. Yeah. Amen. And so Wesley preaches sanctification. Remember, the man says, what was that? It was another life messenger. Death messenger had took it out of the church. God sends a life messenger to restore a little bit back. Yeah. And then he says, then the third life messenger was 1906. Azusa Street, to a bunch of unlearned people. God shows up in a little corner somewhere on a street that no one had even paid any attention to as we preached. Not some great big steeple with brick buildings and big, oh, you know, white steeple on the top and people in the nicest cars and people best dressed. The celebrities, no. Brother Branham says he passed all of those people by and he shows up in a little dingy building with hardly any lights in the building. But he says those people were crying out and desperation for the Holy Ghost and for the power of the book of Acts. And Brother Branham says, and God pours out his spirit on that little humble group of people. Amen. And he says that was the third life messenger that's restored back. 1906, he calls that Pentecost that then denominates that same Azusa Street Experience just as every other age, they denominated, they rose up organizations, they they became Church of God, they became UPC Pentecostal, they became, and gave them all kinds of names, became denominational, shut the doors to Brother Branham, kicked him out of their churches said, oh, Brother Brandon, if you'll just change this and change that and take your tapes back and, you know, you need to call those tapes back in and you need to bring them back and change this. Brother Brandon says, I'm not calling my tapes back in. He says, if you think that was something, I'm going to preach it harder on the next tape. I'm going to preach it more straight on the next tape. What was it? He wasn't going to compromise Amen. by celebrities or popularity or what, the, the masses, thought. Huh. And so, so Brother Brandon preaches... And he preaches this life messenger was Pentecost, the shuck, was the shuck. In that shuck, Brother Branham says, if you, if you look at it and you look at the berries that are on that, he says, they look so close to the grain, the grain, the original seed. And he says, they look so close to the real. I've been with farmers out in the field, he says, and he says, any of you wheat know, any of you farmers who ever plant wheat know that that looks so much like the real. Yeah. Luther didn't look like the real. Amen. He preached part of it, but he, he smoked a pipe, believed in three gods. Yeah. Wesley looked like it. No, Wesley didn't look like it. Wesley was a life messenger. But Brother Adam says, but Pentecost 1906 with signs and wonders and miracles and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost looks so much like the real. I thought this is what I was studying on last night. Amen. He says it looks so much like the real. And then he quotes Matthew 24. That it will be so close. Yeah. It would be like your left hand and right hand, he says in another place. That it would deceive the ch- elected of God if it were possible. Amen. He calls the Pentecostal church the final stage, which was the shuck. And then he preaches the seed shall not be heir yeah. Yeah. with the shuck. And so he says, that, but that grain, though, it looked just like it. Yet inside of there, when it opened up, there was the real grain. Yes. And the shuck pulls away yeah. and shuts the door. Yeah. And Brother Branham says, now what do you have at the top of the head? You have exactly what went in the ground. Glory. The original God of Pentecost back in a church again. Yeah. But let me just stop here and get you to think about something with me. The shuck pulls away at the point the life leaves the shuck It's when Pentecost denominates. And it moves into the wheat, the bride, elected, the literal life of Christ. The reflecting, Brother Branham says she would reflect that seed that went in the ground. But almost every time, Brother Branham, almost every time he uses this example, even in 1965 in leadership, he references Matthew 24, 24. That, it would be, that the true would be so close to the false. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. That it could deceive the very elected if it was possible. He quotes Matthew 24, 24, being so close. My point is, is that if the true church, the true church, the bride church, yeah. the elected church of God of the last day yeah. Yeah. looks identical to the Pentecostal shuck. Hello? I'm not preaching something new. This is exactly what Brother Random taught. That that Pentecostal church would look so much like the real that went in the ground, yet it wasn't. So the true church will also look like the real, but it will be the real. That's why he says, Pentecost, Pentecost. Is the standard. He says there's no other standard. That's why he says Pentecost is the pattern. There is no other pattern. That's why he says the original church at Pentecost with Mark 16 in action. Come on, message believers. Is the true church that Jesus claims as his own? All else is false. All else is false. Do you realize that the true church and the false church, which is not the Baptist church, it's not the intellectual dry dead church, I'm talking about the Pentecostal charismatic church that had signs and wonders and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Do you know that Brother Branham says that the true church and the false church will look so similar? Yeah. Amen. I know I got you thinking and that's a good thing. Listen to what Brother Branham says here in this next slide. If you're choking, it may, 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 uh, may help you out. <laughs> Sardesian church age, Brother Noah. He will always be the same. And act the same. And the seven messengers will have the same spirit. And teach the same word. And have the same power. And if the church is the true church, it will have the very same spirit and word and acts of power that they had at Pentecost. By experience, it will be a Pentecostal church. My only point is this, and I'm going to make it quite simple: the look-alike, the twin, doesn't look like the Baptist Church. Amen. It doesn't look like dry, dead theology, right. solo scriptura. That's right. It doesn't look like it doesn't look like dry, intellectual theological seminaries. That's not who you're, That's not who the twin is. Right. That's what Brother Adam said. The one that looks so close it would deceive the very elected is a church that. You turn on the television, you watch their shows, they're shouting, they're dancing, they're, there's miracles, there's miraculous. They believe in the power of God. They believe in the spirit of God. Then I just ask one question. If that's who our look-alike is, then shouldn't we at least look like that? I know it's very simple and should be mind-blowing to us. If this is our look-alike, and yet we don't even look like the false. God help us. You say, Brother Matt, what are you preaching here this morning? This is what I'm preaching to you. Noah, you're about to go on a, an exercise of scripture. And so just be ready. New guy. So if someone wants to go back there and help him. I want to read some of these. Listen to what it says in Acts 3, Brother Noah. Acts 3, verse 1. Pull up the the, the scriptures, in if you could fast. Listen to what the book of Acts. If we know that the true church will be like the first church. Can I get an amen on that? The true church will look like the first church. But we just read it. Brother Brad says she'll be exactly like she was. Maybe I didn't get to finish that quote. And he says, he says if the church is the true church it will have the very same word and acts of power that they had at Pentecost. By experience it will be a Pentecostal church. There will be tongues and interpretation and prophecy and healing. God will be in the midst of her and God will declare himself in the midst of Her as he always has. Hallelujah. And she will be unorganized. Don't forget that. I'm reading you what Brother Branham says. Don't forget that. She will have, listen, she'll be so much like the first church. Brother Branham even says Paul, the first messenger. The last messenger would be just like Paul. And so the first messenger's church would look like the last messenger's church. You say, what's the difference between Pentecostal charismatics, false, and the true? The only difference is that one rejects the word for their hour and one accepts it. One of them compromise on the word of God and one of them won't compromise on the word of God. We're not compromisers. That's not who we are. Listen to what it says in Acts 3. I want to give you some of these. Di- this is Matthew 10. You don't have to give me that. Let me read you Matthew 10 1. And he called us to him. He called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. This is the power or the commission that Jesus commissions the first church with. This is the authority. It was a transfer of the power of Jesus. To the believer Amen. not on Jesus but now on the believer not on just a prophet but now on your lips on your faith on your flesh in your home in your family Amen. the same power transferred Amen. to the family of God Amen. listen to what Acts 3 you say what are some if we're to be like the first church the book of Acts church let's read about them Acts 3 verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer. I'm going to read fast, so read with me because I got a lot. At the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid, who laid, lay, laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us and he gave heed unto them. In other words, he paid attention to what they said. Expecting. Expecting. Do you realize you get what you expect? You're sitting there with your arms crossed looking like a sour pickle. You're gonna get a sour pickle. That's what you're gonna get. But those that have hands up and are saying amen to the word of God, you're in expectation. You're saying, let that God of Pentecost come down on me. Let him inhabit the praises of his people. Let him live in my lips and in my body and through my mind and through my heart and through my, through my flesh and every part of me. Amen. He gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Acts 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias? Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Do you know Satan can fill your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? I'll say that again. Satan can fill your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. This is what Peter says. And to keep back part of the price of land, while it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why is thou conceiving this thing in thy heart? Thou was not lied unto men. Hold on, Peter. She just told a lie to you. What? So you mean that now Peter and John were representing the Holy Ghost? Amen. Amen. And when they lied to their pastor, they were lying to the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Right. Amen. It's a sobering thought. Yeah. That was not lied unto men, but unto God. Verse 5. While he says, And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, died. And great fear came upon all of them that heard these things. Verse 12, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. So the rest of the people, the rest of the people, all of those on the outside, didn't want anything to do with that little church on Mossy Oaks Road. They didn't want anything to do with it. Stay away from that cult. Stay away from those people. But the people magnified them. And God did miracles and signs. And he says, go to the next verse. And he says, and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women do you know who we want added to this church? Believers not doubters, not questioners not compromisers not people that want to change it I want a church full of believers because I need a faith, an atmosphere of faith and it can only come when the church is in one heart and one accord and everyone believes the word and he says and believers were added unto them insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one. If you needed a latte, you went down to the big mega church. But if you need delivered of a disease and an evil spirit, you went to the book of Acts church. If you needed a feel good vibe for that Sunday morning, you went down to the mega church. But if you needed the power, oh, do I have somebody here that could say, I don't need a feel good. I don't need a good vibe. I need the power of God preached and an adulterated word of God to come and be spoken to my life. Oh, how many would say, that's what I want that's what I'm longing for that's what I'm desiring in my life I want the spirit of God hallelujah yes. Yes. come on Acts listen to this this is where in Acts 5 notice this in Acts chapter 8 verse 14 now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria received the word of God they sent to them Peter and John who they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost for as yet he was fallen upon none of them only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus then they laid their hands on them and they received the holy ghost Amen. acts 9 verse 33 and there he found a certain man named Ananias which had kept the bed which which had kept his bed 8 years and was sick of the palsy and peter said unto them Ananias Jesus Christ maketh thee whole Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. Verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and all alms deeds which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. For as much as Lydia was night to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the window, all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. They were weeping, memorizing. This is this woman we love so much, but Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning him to the body said Tabitha arise and she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter she sat up and gave her his hand and lifted her up and when he had called the saints and widows presented her alive this is what we believe this is what we preach. Resurrection to the dead. Life to the dead. Freedom to the addicted. Freedom to the depressed. I say, God, pour it out in this church. Pour out that resurrection power in my life. Pour out a revival where the dead are, that, are, that have been given up on, yet God pours His Spirit and you might have gave up on them, but God raises them up to life. Hallelujah. Acts 12, and behold, the angel of the Lord came on, and a light shined in this prison and he smote Peter on the side. This is Acts 12, verse seven. And raised him up, saying, arise up quickly and his chains fell off of his hands. The angel said unto him, gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and knew not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. In other words, it was real. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened, of, which opened to them of his own accord. Hold on a minute. Did we just read that right? You mean bars and doors that man had shut, God can open. I said doors and bars and gates. That the devil has shut and they haven't opened. God says, I'll open them in your life. You might have given up on them and said it'll never open. But God said, I'm going to open those doors that have been shut in your life. Hallelujah. And they went out and passed on through one street. And forthwith the angel departed from him. Notice this, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a shorty that the Lord hath sent his angel and that delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, or many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. Acts 13 Verse 6, but Elmas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn them away. He says, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, that's an important thing. What made Saul Paul? He was filled with the Holy Ghost. Set his eyes on him and said, oh full, oh, full of subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness and he went about seeing and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand you see there's blessings that come with this church and there's cursing that comes to this church That's why we say the most dangerous spot you can be in is a church that is preaching the full, unadulterated word of God. It's the most dangerous place you can be in because when we speak it and you hear it, you are now held accountable for what you have heard. And it's not my words. If I had my words, it wouldn't mean nothing, not a hill of beans. But when I speak the word of God that's been vindicated, then it's on your laps what you do with it. I say, God, help us to have a tent of hearts. Yeah. Acts 16, let's keep going. And it came to pass, verse 16, Acts 16, 16. No, I'm sorry, I missed one, Acts 14. 14, verse 8, Acts 14, verse 8. There sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice. Why do we use a loud voice? Because they did in the Bible. So I'm using a loud voice. You know, sometimes you gotta speak loud enough for the devil to hear you. Sometimes you gotta say amen and loud enough for your doubt to hear you. For that fear to hear you. Speak over those voices of fear. Speak over that doubt one time. It'll shut the devil up in your life. And he cried out with a loud voice Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And he leaped, him being a cripple, the same heard Paul speak. He said, say with a loud voice, stand upright upon the feet. Notice Acts 16, verse 16 now. And it came to pass as he went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the most high God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned aside and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. Amen. Acts for the same chapter, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. You know what? When you sing, the prisoners ought to hear you sing. I said, when you sing, the prisoners ought to hear you sing. Because when the prisoners hear you sing, those prisoners might get to go free. The Bible says he praised God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly... There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone, not just Paul, not just Silas, but everyone that was bound, everyone that was diseased, everyone that had spirits of evil, everyone that was afflicted, everyone that was in chains. You see, when the people of God can get free enough to worship in the spirit of God, and not care about what everybody thinks, prisoners can go free. Addicted can drop, can throw off their chains. I say, God, let me get free enough so that all the prisoners can go free in our church. Oh, let me get so free. Let me get so full of praise and worship that not a devil can stay in this building. But we run him out of the windows and run him out of the door and freedom can go to every chain and every disease and every burden and every heart and every, every, every disease of sickness, every de- demon of depression, every disease and de- demon of affliction and anxiety won't stand a chance in the presence of God. If the church can get free. How many would say I want that kind of a church? Acts 19 verse 1, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Verse 11, Acts 19, and God wrought special miracles. By the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs and aprons. And the diseases departed from from them. And the evil spirit went out of them. It should be our expectation. I said it should be our expectation. Do you know that that Marcus Humphrey, the man who was healed of stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma, I mean, I won't have time. He'll have to give the testimony. Do you know that that's the second time cancer has been healed supernaturally in the life of Brother Travis? Also prayed for a little boy that was diseased with cancer, went to his grandpa's house. The boy was in a bed, given up on, was going to die. And Brother Travis took a prayer cloth of Brother Barnum or one that we had prayed over. Yeah, a prayer cloth of God's prophet. Laid it on that boy, went to that job. Sometime later, that boy was supernaturally healed of cancer. You say, Brother Matt, what does that mean? It should be our expectation. This should be the church of Pentecost. This should be the church with signs and wonders. This should be our expectation. Not a dead, dry, just teaching, just some kind of uh, some kind of lifestyle that we have of long hair and, and dresses. Oh, thank God for it! But there ought to be a life. There ought to be a spirit that backs up that lifestyle. There ought to be a power that backs up your preaching. There ought to be a power that backs up your family, and your prayers ought to be heard by God. I say, God, give us a power like they had in the Book of Acts, to where we speak and God listens. To where we petition and God sets us free. Amen. This is the Church of Pentecost. Acts chapter twenty, verse nine. I'm going to close. Don't get scared. And there sat in the wi- a wi- a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long, <laughs> my goodness, brother Matt. It's 1-12. Paul was long preaching. He sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him. And embracing him said, trouble not yourself for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and he had broken bread and eaten and talked, A long while. When God raises you from the dead, long while and long sermons and long preaching don't bother you a bit. (laughs) Even till the break of day. (laughs) And they brought the young men alive and were not a little comforted. Listen to what it says. That simply means it wasn't just a little comfort. They were greatly comforted. Acts 28. Just two more, I think. Two more. Acts 28, verse 3. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. This is what they actually thought of him. Yeah. Eh, the guy escaped that shipwreck, but now the viper's biting him. He must be a devil. And he shook off the beast. I love how simple it was. And he shook it off. You know, when people criticize you, shake it off. Don't, 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 don't get weighted down with that and try to argue. Just shake it off into the fire. When that devil comes biting at you, just shake him off. You ain't nothing, devil. I'm just going to shake you off. little bit of doubt comes in my heart. I'm just going to shake you off. I'm not going to pay no attention to you. And he says, he shook him off into the fire and felt no harm, howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen dead, down dead suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a God. They weren't wrong. He wasn't God, but he was a Messiah with God's power flowing through his veins. Acts 28, verse, look, look at verse 7, same chapter, in the same, last one, in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Pubilus, I think that's how I'm saying that correctly, who received us, and lodged us three days courteously, and it came to pass that the father lay sick of a fever, and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed, and laid his hands on him, oh, hold on a minute, you mean Paul didn't just walk up to him and say, you, ought, you should just accept it and believe it, brother, God said, just believe it, just accept it. You mean Paul didn't just walk in and go, uh-huh, yeah, amen, amen. You mean Paul did something physically? He used his physical hands to lay hands upon him? You mean it might have to start in the flesh before God will do anything for you? Sometimes your brother and said, you gotta go through the acts. If you're not willing to go through the acts, you'll never get to the spirit. And he laid his hands upon him. Paul entered and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. Amen. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. When the Spirit of God came, this is what it looked like in the book of Acts church. Right. And Brother Branham says that false church, that Pentecostal church, in 1906 the Azusa Street that had, had organized and denominated because they rejected the word. And Brother Random says, those doors, you've closed to me. You won't even have me preach. Oh, Brother Random, change this and change that. And then he comes to that, comes to that same exact message and says, oh, but I'm so glad. They might have turned me down, but I'm so glad for these churches, these, these little few churches that have opened their doors to me and for your young pastor here who's caught the inspiration. What was it? It was more than just a teaching or a doctrine or an understanding or theology. He had caught the inspiration of Elijah. He had caught the inspiration of the message that this, as they said in the book of Acts, Peter said, this is that. Amen. Peter said, this is that that Job prophesied about that I will restore, saith the Lord. And your young men shall dream dreams. And your, your young men shall see vision. And your old men shall dream dreams. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. What was that spirit he was pouring out? It wasn't the denominational spirit. It wasn't a spirit of education. It wasn't a spirit of intellect. It wasn't just doctrine. It was a supernatural anointing. It was a supernatural spirit that dwelled on Elijah. And I say, God, let me be a recipient of a double portion of the same spirit that fell at the book of Acts. Oh, how many would stand to their feet and raise their hand and say, Lord, let me be a recipient of that double portion. Let it live in me. Let it breathe through me. Let it think through me. Let my thoughts be its thoughts. Let my words be its words. Oh God, I raise my hands this morning and I say, God, give me a church as your prophet said, give me a church that's every move is thus saith the Lord. And I say and I echo those words and there's a group of people here that'll raise hands and echo those words. Give me a church that every move is thus saith the Lord and I'll show you a Messiah upon the earth. Give me a church that's so full of the power of God and so full of the Spirit of God, there wouldn't be a sick person in this building. There wouldn't be a disease in this building that couldn't stand to be here. Give me the, the power of God so strong, Lord, that would that would every demon spirit would flee, every lion devil would every 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 lion voice would be silenced, every lion tongue would be silenced. Oh God, I, w- I wonder if you would raise your hand and say that today. Hands up all over the building. Give me that, Lord Jesus. Give me that, Lord. Give me that. Give our church that. All friends, does your head bowed, every eye closed? I'm just going to say what the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has upon my heart. You can just play something softly. Every voice and every spirit. Is trying to shut this up. And every e- every demon spirit and evil spirit is doing everything he can to silence our voices, to shut our mouths, to cause us to sit down. Every kind of evil spirit trying to get us to backslide and trying to get us to compromise. Do you know why? Do you know why people don't want this kind of preaching? Because it was prophesied. They would come into the spirit of the last days. And in the spirit of the last days, it said they would heap unto themselves. This is the scripture. They would heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. There would be a generation of people that Paul would speak of and say, for the time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine. They don't want, won't want that preaching. They won't want them. They won't, they won't want that kind. No, they won't want that kind. That's what Brother Random speaks of in the Invisible Union. They don't, he says they don't want any of them tongue-talking. That's not the kind of children they want. They don't want them miserable wretches that they call them. Their church would put them out if they had them. They don't want anything to do with that Pentecostal message. They want to modernize it and paint it up and dress it up and reculture it redefine it because it was prophesied for the time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine but having itching ears they'll heap unto themselves teachers teachers they'll heap after their own lusts this is going to be the heart of the the, the people prophesy unto us smooth things this is what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 30 They say, which say to the seers and the prophets, don't see, prophesy not prophet, prophesy unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy unto us deceits. Do you know this was a prophecy of this age, 2022? There's a spirit that is moving on religious people. It's in denominational churches and sadly to say it's in message churches. It's upon make believers and unbelievers. A spirit that doesn't like this kind of preaching. Wants to shut it up. Prophesy. Tell us good things. Tell us smooth things. Don't talk about those kind of things. But let me give you your commission. This is what the Lord gave me. Let me give you your commission. Paul said, I charge thee before God. In other words, I command thee. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. At his appearing in his kingdom. Preach. Preach the word be instant in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine preach the word this is our commission don't 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 turn aside don't compromise preach it preach it brothers and let me tell you there's a group of people who are saying preach it preach it to me give me that word of god give me that truth that's the only thing that'll set me free oh do we have a church that would raise a hand and say, God, I want the unadulterated Word of God. I don't want it compromised. I don't want it watered down. If it hurts my feelings, if it tears me to pieces, if it breaks me down, if it rebukes me, chastises me, then I'm going to say, preach it, preacher. Preach the Word of God. Don't compromise. Don't look to the left or to the right. Oh, God, help us, Lord. I just just going to stop here. Lord, I feel that charge of the Holy Ghost in this building right now. I feel that electricity, Lord, that's flowing from heart to heart to heart to heart. Lord, we're in one mind and one accord. We got our hands raised up now, Lord. As a in unity as a body, we've heard these things preached, and our heart has said, "Amen." Our heart is not a heart of resistance. It's not. It's not resisting you. It's not questioning you. It's not doubting you. We're accepting of it, Lord, Lord. And we've heard these things, and we've we've said, "Amen" to them. Lord, now I can feel that charge of the Holy Ghost moving through this building. Lord, and I'll just say, reach out and touch the Lord. Whatever you have need of, Mom, whatever you have need of, Dad, whatever you have need of, young person, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come up to this altar. Don't wait another moment. You come to this altar, and you die out to yourself. You need to be born again. There's an altar here. There's an altar right here. There's no excuse there's no, there's nothing that's waiting don't don't turn it down today's the day of salvation oh i feel an urgency just to preach that right now today is the day of salvation don't wait till tomorrow you might not be young you might be 40 50 60 80 i don't care how old you are here today make your calling an election sure for a latter rain a harvest rain is falling You got a disease this morning? Come up here. We'll pray for you. We'll lay our hands upon you. You got a sickness? Come up here to this altar. We'll lay our hands on you. We'll pray for you. And we'll believe that something natural, something earthly, something physical will contact us spiritual. You need delivered of a demon spirit? There's deliverance here. Don't wait. Not another moment. You need delivered of a spirit? It's right here, right at this altar. Don't wait for your brother and your sister. Don't wait for a man or a woman. Don't wait for mom and dad. You come straight to this altar. You want a refilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? There's an altar right here where that refilling's waiting for you. I don't care if you're a musician. You want to stop playing your instrument and come to this altar. I invite you. I invite those in the sound booth. You want to lay aside that position and come to this altar right now. You, come out of that sound booth. You want to come up here? Come out of the back row. You want something from God? God's right here to fill you. God's right here to receive you. We're going to pray here in just a moment. I'm just obeying the, the presence of the Lord right now on this Sunday morning service, you don't, let me just say this, don't let nothing stop you from receiving that Pentecostal blessing. Don't let nothing stop you from receiving that original Book of Acts experience. Don't let nothing lie to you and tell you it ain't for you. Don't let nothing lie to you and tell you your day of grace is over. It's right here. Mercy is right here if you'll avail yourself of it. It's right here for you. It's right here for your family, it's right here for your home, it's right here for your children. If you've got a, if you came up here to this altar and you've got a specific need you want prayed over, I want you to line up here right here to my left, right here on the left. If you don't want hands laid on you and you're just up at this altar, that's wonderful, that's fine. If you want to be prayed over, you come right over here to the left and down this far left aisle, we'll create a line right here for prayer. And I want the ministers, all of them, to come up here and pray with me. We're gonna pray over these needs as Brother Tony worships and sings. gonna pray right now. what you got to break Lord Jesus Father I play. Raise our hands now. Give him a worship offering. Oh, let it come from our hearts. Hallelujah. Oh, let this church praise him. Lord, we worship you. We praise you, Father. Great are you, Lord. We lift up our hands. We lift up our voices. Worthy are you, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Blessed be
0: your name, Lord Jesus. In moments like these. Pick it up now. I sing out a song. I sing out You wanna do that? Why don't you raise those hands and sing it to, to Jesus? Jesus in moments like me. Oh, I love to lift up my hands. I lift up I'm telling that this morning.
6: hardly knowing how to close a service like this. We just want to raise hands right now, Lord, as a body, and to say thank you, Lord God. Thank you for coming and visiting us. Thank you, Lord, for moving our hearts. Oh, thank you for speaking to our souls. Thank you for, Lord, placing in us courage and faith and hope and knowledge and wisdom and love. We give you praise for it now, Lord God. We want more. Father, I just raise my hand saying, I want more of you, Lord. I want more of your spirit. I don't want it to stop here. There are heights that have not been summited. There is no summit to your love. There's no summit to your grace. I want more of it, Lord Jesus. May you now, God, take us from this building, Lord, but not your presence, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you, friends. We're gonna yeah. let you go at your own leisure. by Brother Tony C. singing. Singing.
0: go